Good morning. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel this morning. We're so glad that you could join us, that you are here this morning. Um, happy Father's Day to all of the dads. Uh, a couple of announcements to share with you this morning as we begin. Actually, there's a, a quite a few. Um, no youth group or prayer meeting tonight due to uh, it being Father's Day. Um, the game night at the nursing home. So that's June 23rd and June 30th. There are signups out in the uh, fellowship hall. Um, if you are interested in that, please sign up. We're going to be passing that information on to uh, Emma and Miranda today as they continue to work with that. There is a short VBS meeting following the service today. If you are volunteering for VBS, if you could hang around, Sarah English would like to talk to you for just a brief moment um, as we kind of just gather together and prepare for what is to come tomorrow. Uh, so it's going to be a great week. As you can tell, I'm joined by my buddies up here um, and uh, really looking forward to uh, VBS this year. The Bolivia has a kickball tournament fundraiser on July 7th. Um, if you know anything about uh, kickball, it's a lot of fun. We're going to set it up out in the field. There'll be lines painted, actual bases. We'll have umps or an ump um, as we kind of work through this. There is a, uh, we ask for a $50 per team donation, $50 per team donation. Um, a team is made up of 10 people. If you are interested in bringing a team and adding a team, please let me know. We'll get you signed up. We have to make brackets and everything like that. But it's not only going to be a kickball tournament. There's going to be other stuff going on too. There's going to be cotton candy and other things like that. It's going to be an awesome time. So I would mark July 7th on your calendar as uh, Word of Life Chapel. And uh, it's going to be a great, great day. Um, also, the White Church is out for the Bolivia Missions team. There are still a couple of members of the team that are a little bit short in their total donation amounts. Um, if I add them up, it's close to about $3,000. Um, so if you feel led in any way to contribute towards um, any of them, uh, you can put your donation in the White Church, and it will go towards the Bolivian Missions team. Bolivia missions team. None of us are Bolivians, right? Bolivia missions team. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we're so thankful to be here. Um, Lord, we're thankful to be able to gather together as a community of believers, as a family in Christ. And Lord, what a, what a joy it is to be able to gather together to praise your name. Lord, we're here this morning for you and for you alone. Lord, we ask that you remove the distractions of life, the chains that we bring with us, the barriers and walls that we might have up, Lord, that we might hear and see you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we sing, My God is Awesome. My God is awesome, He can move the mountains, keep me in the valley, hide me from the rain. My God is awesome, heals me when I'm broken, strength where I've been
Treasure 
Amen. Would you take a moment to turn around and greet those around you in Jesus' name. We certainly do wish a happy Father's Day to all of you, and it's just so good to have you with us this morning. Uh, good to see Lloyd Howard with us this morning. Uh, that would not be unusual for last week, but it is for today, uh, because this past Friday, uh, he had a pacemaker um, implanted in his heart, and so it's good to have him with us this morning. All went well. Uh, his heart is beating much a little much faster than it did uh, prior to going into the hospital. So good to have Lloyd with us this morning. Uh, also, um, I received a note from Steve Borner about his brother Tom, who we have in our uh, prayer list. 
Uh, he's in the hospital right now for a blood transfusion and IV antibiotics. Another mass of cancer was, was discovered just below his stomach. It's the same type of cancer as in his liver. So the treatments can continue as before. He's very weak because of a low blood count. Uh, so I uh, give you that update on Tom Bordner. We do need to pray uh, for him. Also, Drew Osenbach, as you know, is in Lebanon, um, but returning home this Thursday. Um, so keep Drew in prayer. Uh, he's having a good experience. Uh, pray for safety as he, as he returns home. I also have a note from Marlene. Uh, Marlene had knee uh, replacement surgery not that awfully long ago. Uh, she quotes at the top of this note, Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It is because of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And then she writes, Dear Word of Life friends, I appreciate your phone calls, uh, your cards, and especially your prayers during my recent surgery. Thank you for standing with me in this time of much need. In Christ, Marlene Miller. So keep Marlene in your prayers as well. And so, Father, as we come before you this morning, we are thankful that, Father, you are an awesome God, that we, as your children, Lord, we can come and we can approach your throne. Father, we thank you that you have given us new life, that life is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. Father, we thank you that you have made us your children through faith in your Son. Father, to those that receive him and believe in his name, they're given the right to become children of God's. We thank you, Lord, for that assurance that is within us, that we are part of your family. Father, we also thank you so much this morning for allowing us to come together. Lord, this is your day. This is your service. And our prayer is this morning that, Father, we do and say and sing those things that bring glory to yourself. Father, we are thankful that you have raised up Lloyd very quickly and that he is, he is able to be with us uh, this morning. Uh, we think of Marlene. We pray that you would continue to uh, help her uh, in her recovery, bring Drew back home safely to us this Thursday. And, Father, we pray for Steve's brother now with this um, cancer that they found uh, in the lower stomach area, we pray, Lord, that chemo might do what it needs to do. Uh, so give him the strength he needs, uh, we do pray. Father, again, we're thankful for a, a special time, a special day in which we recognize the fathers that are among us. And Father, we'll recognize them a little more fully in just a few moments, but Father, we thank you we thank you for each one that is here this day and pray, Lord, that you might bless them, bless their families in a very special way. In Jesus' name, amen.
If you don't get off that Xbox, I will make sure you never play it again. Listen, if you don't settle down and go to bed, you can sleep outside tonight. Little girls who aren't grateful don't get any presents at Christmas. Any of these clothes that are still on the floor in 10 minutes are going to be given to someone who really needs them. You come home late one more time, you won't have a car. Stop fighting or I'm turning this car around right now.
and say it loud so I can hear it. <laughs> okay, who will be first? Yes, Ken. 288, 288, 288. <coughs> Amazing grace. <coughs> Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saves. mention we'll sing stanza one and, and whatever the last first and last unless you request a, a different one okay who be second what was that 236 236 <coughs> 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 on a hill Far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was So I'll change.
401. 401. <clears throat> When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It I saw a hand right there. 90. 90. Hymn number 90. <clears throat> Two twenty-five, three twenty-five, two twenty-five. Thank you. <clears throat> Standing on the promises. I'm going to ask you to stand up with me, and then uh, those in junior church can be dismissed. <clears throat> Standing on the promises of Christ, my King, through eternal ages, let His praises ring. Glory in the 
Quite a number of years ago, there was a professional tennis player called John McEnroe. John McEnroe was known for his displays, oftentimes, on the tennis court of outrage. And one of the famous statements or shouts of John's was this, you can't be serious. He would yell it at umpires or yell it at the ball uh, or the line judges, you can't be serious. There are times when I read the Word of God and I say, not with a pointed finger, but under my breath, you can't be serious. There are times when I read the Bible and I say, God, do you really mean that? In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1, we read these words. Imitate God. And I say to myself, you can't be serious. We know God as a holy God. We know God as a perfect God. We know God as a pure God. A God who is righteous. How do we imitate? God? How do we mimic God and copy God and emulate God? How is it that we speak like God and we act like God? Who can do that? How can we imitate someone who is totally other, who is so different, so perfect? And so I say to myself, you can't be serious. And yet, it's in the Word of God. David Schroeder, he writes in his book on Ephesians, some statements in Scripture seem so preposterous that if they were not in God's Word, we would quickly dismiss them as being foolishly idealistic. Such a statement is found in the first book, or first verse of Ephesians 5. Be imitators of God. 
anyone who has the most basic understanding of the nature of God is at once amazed, startled, frightened, and perhaps offended by this command. How is it possible for the creature to imitate his creator? How is it possible for the finite to approximate the infinite? How is it possible for the mortal to be like the immortal? Perhaps in all of his writings, Paul has made no more preposterous statement than this. Imitate God. Be imitators of God. I invite you to read with me these first two verses in Ephesians chapter 5. Let's read these together. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There it is. Paul wrote it. It was Dr. Albert Schweitzer who was asked one time, what is the best way to raise children? And he said there are three ways. By example, by example, and by example. Paul knew the importance of example in teaching others. Paul said things like, be imitators of me in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He said elsewhere in 1 Corinthians, be imitators of me just as I also am of Christ. And in 1 Thessalonians, Paul said, you also become imitators of us and of the Lord. This is Father's Day. And dads, you ought to be an example to your children. But as you follow the example of God. Fathers are not perfect. We have many, many flaws. We have failed our children in so many ways. We have hurt them. We've broken their hearts. But Jesus says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we say to ourselves, really? That seems impossible. The NIV Study Bible, and I need to clarify this, you know there's an old and a new, you know the translation of the NIV. Uh, the older version says, be imitators of God. That's what we read this morning. The newer uh, translations actually say, follow God's example. So when you see that in your Bible, uh, understand that there is that older and newer version. But the word that's used is mamate which we get our word mimic from. And it really does mean to imitate. To imitate God. To be like God is. And so this morning, I'm going to look at three things that are necessary if we're going to do that. If we are going to be imitators of God, and I know this is Father's Day, and I'm speaking to fathers, but I'm speaking to everyone, because when Paul wrote this, he wasn't just speaking to fathers. He was speaking to all believers. 
to imitate God. But fathers, you listen carefully as you follow God and watch your children follow you. To imitate God, we must, first of all, be his dearly loved children. To be imitators of God, we must be his dearly loved children. You saw that in this verse. It says, be followers of God's example. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. In order to be imitators of God, you have to be in the family of God. You have to be dearly loved children. Contrary to popular thought, all people are not children of God's. It's not an automatic thing. It's not when we're born into this world, you automatically become a child of God's. It doesn't work that way. When you're born into this family, you become part of that family, but you're not yet part of God's family. We're not all children of God's. We must be born into that family. J.I. Packer, in his wonderful book, Knowing God, where he speaks of the attributes of God, he says this, what is a Christian? What is a Christian? And this is what J.I. Packer says. The question can be answered in many ways, but the richest answer I know is that a Christian is one who has God for his father. The richest definition of the Christian is to have God for his father. But that's not automatic. It's something we have to do, not in the way of works, but I think first, or John 1 says it very well when, it, when he says this. John says, Yet to all who did receive him, and to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. You see that first verse in verse 12, it says, Yet as many as receive him, and those who believe in his name. So to put faith in Jesus... It's to be given life and life eternal. Spiritual rebirth is something that is necessary to be within God's family. Jesus, one time, he was speaking to one of the Pharisees. And this was a Pharisee who was interested in Jesus. He wasn't out to trap Jesus as most of the Pharisees were. He wasn't there to curse Jesus or condemn Jesus, but he was interested in what Jesus had to say. And one night, this man called Nicodemus comes to Jesus. And and Jesus says to Nicodemus, if you want to be in my kingdom, if you want to be part of the kingdom of God, then you must, Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's not an option. You want to be in my family? You want to be in my... Then you must be born again. And Nicodemus, he he thought right away of something physical. He said to Jesus, how is that possible for me to enter back into my mother's womb and be born all over again? Oh, Jesus said, no, no. We're not talking about something physical here, but something spiritual. 
There is a spiritual rebirth that needs to take place. Nicodemus, you must be spiritually born into the family of God. And God imparts new life to us. We receive the very nature of Christ himself. But you know, there's another aspect of our relationship with God. And we don't often talk of this, but it it speaks of this throughout the New Testament. And that is the idea of adoption. We read in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5 in this same book, adopted as sons. To be adopted as sons. You know, think of a parent who wants to adopt a child and they go and they see this child and uh, they're attracted to this child and, and this child is so cute in their eyes and they pick him or her. The idea of adoption spiritually is that God, he's the one who chooses us. I was talking with someone in the hall just a little while ago, and they said about the sermon last week on Judas Iscariot, you know, how that, you know, some things were brought out that that she didn't know. And I said, you know, I'm often amazed at why God would choose him, knowing, being omniscient, that Judas is the very one who is going to betray him. And yet he did. And yet God chose you, according to the doctrine of adoption. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So we have this idea of a new birth. We have this idea of adoption. You see, we need to be in the family of God, if we're going to be imitators of God. We need to have Christ's nature in us. We need to be reborn and adopted into his family. And then God has this special love for his children. As dearly loved children. Ruth Graham She spoke at her father's funeral in North Carolina. Uh, The first marriage ended in divorce for Ruth. And shortly after that, she was introduced to a very wealthy widower. Her father, Billy Graham, urged her to slow down in that relationship, that second relationship. Others gave her the same counsel, but Ruth refused to listen. And she remarried, and within 24 hours of that second marriage, she knew that she had made a terrible mistake. And Ruth said this, and I quote, It's one thing to embarrass your father. It's another thing to embarrass your father when he's Billy Graham. And she drove home to see her father unsure of his response and she said that when she pulled up into the driveway her dad was there waiting for her and Billy Graham ran up to her gave her a big hug and kissed her on the cheek there was no condemnation there was no rebuke what an amazing father this article writes when we're in God's family he has this special love for his children. We are the dearly loved children of God's. God being our heavenly father. 
And no matter how much an earthly father loves his children, and we as dads, we must love our children, but no matter how much an earthly father loves his children, our heavenly father loves us even more. If we're going to be imitators of God, and we all must be, dads, you must be imitators of God. If we're going to be that, then we must first be a part of God's family. We must be in that family and be his dearly loved children. The second thing I think we need to do if we're going to imitate God is we must know him, that is God, and know his ways. We must know God and we must know his ways. Children imitate their fathers. Sometimes it's intentional. Sometimes it's unintentional. Dads, kids watch you. You know that, don't you? Your children, they watch you. And they learn how to speak and how to act as they see what you do. Someone has once said that imitation is the highest form of flattery. Imitation is the highest form of flattery. And you parents, you know that's true. Let's suppose, Dad, you're out in the garage and you found this old dresser up in the attic, this old antique that is about ready to just fall apart. And you bring it down to your garage and you've been working on this now for several weeks to refurbish this, to make this look like a treasure. And you have worked hard. You have it all stained and painted. All the hinges are new. The doorknob, everything is perfect. But there's a few odds and ends you still have to do. And you have a couple of finishing nails in your hand. And you're starting to pound these finishing nails. You know, those nails that don't have the big heads. And you're very careful as you're pounding that finishing nail not to get a dent in your masterpiece. And you hear beside you, bam, 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 bam. And here is your little boy. And he is beating the tar out of this thing that you have just made look like a treasure. And you look over at him and you are furious. And your little boy says, Daddy, I want to be just like you. You are furious. But you are flattered. Because he just said to you that he wants to be like you. Imitation, the highest form of flattery. Parents, we know that, don't we? You know, you can imitate someone. Or you can't imitate someone unless you're around them. And you know them. Dads, you need to be on the sidelines. You need to be at the school concerts. You need to be helping them with their homework and sitting around the dinner table eating and playing video games. Dad, you need to be with your children, spending time with them as they get to know you. But to imitate God, we also need to know him and his ways. And there's no shortcuts to that. 
It's spending time with God. And where do we learn of God? Where do we know about God's ways? But in his word. Again, there's no shortcuts to knowing God and who he is and to know his will. I was talking to the one lady last week and she said that she had finished the New Testament reading. And she started now, since she's in that habit, that discipline of reading every day, she's back now in Genesis and starting to work through the Old Testament. There's no shortcuts to knowing God in his word. God reveals himself in the Bible. This is where we discover who he is and what he's all about. This Bible is the revelation of Yahweh. It's a revelation of God. Theologians speak of the attributes of God in, in two ways. He's, uh, they, they call uh, some of the attributes incommunicable attributes. Incommunicable attributes. I know that's a big, long word, but it's attributes that only belong to God, right? There are some attributes of God that are only his, such as omnipotence and omniscience and omnipresence and sovereignty. These belong to God and God alone. The incommunicable. But there's also communicable attributes. These are those which we are to imitate. There are some in which we can imitate. Things like mercy. And where do we learn that? Where do we learn that God is a God in the Bible? We learn that God is a God of mercy. He's a God of patience, of long-suffering. Where do we find that? How do we know that? By hearing and reading the Word of God. We know that God is a God of grace and a God of love. Those things we find in the Word of God, there are no shortcuts. We must spend time with God in the Word of God. The Christian life, we could sum up as a life of imitating God, a life of imitating God as his beloved children, and thirdly, as we walk in the way of love. You see, here in Ephesians 5, it speaks of that in verse 2. And walk in the way of love. Now, imitate God is comprehensive. Right? It includes all of those things I just mentioned, and the list goes on and on and on. But the one characteristic right here that Paul mentions to sum all that up is love. It's love. We dads, we are to walk in the way of love. You know, our culture uses love for everything. I love pizza, I love my dog, I love cooking, I, I love the sports. But what is biblical love? What is biblical love? We can't imitate God unless we know what that love is. If we are to imitate God's love and show that love to our children, what is that? Well, it says in verse 2, it goes on, Just as Christ loved us, now listen, and gave himself up for us. This agape love is a sacrificial love. This agape love is an unconditional love. It's the love that God has for you that you are to show 
to others. It's a love in Jesus in which he laid down his life for us. Last winter, I started a new hobby, bird watching. And I know I've mentioned this to many of you, and I talk with, about birds now, and I just, you know, I just want to know more about that. It's a, they're an amazing creature. And I really, you know, apart from being young when I was little and we ran around in Millersburg in the woods with BB guns and we just shot them all. I mean, that's what we did when we were kids. We just shot birds with BB guns. Legal, illegal, we just put them down. But now I'm, I'm beginning to understand that there's, there's more to these things that fly in the air. And, and my, over the last couple of months, my goal was to somehow get the bluebirds that come into our yard and get them to build a nest in a box. And so, <laughs> it took some time, but we finally have two bluebirds, a male and female, in this box, four little blue eggs. You can open the front, you can look in, and you're allowed to do that with bluebirds. You can monitor their nests. Right? At least this is what I'm reading. You open it up and kind of, there they are, four, close it up. and You know what I did? I'm training the female. I'm training her. I know some of you know this story, just bear with me. But they love mealworms. And so, I saw on the internet this man who trained his female bluebird. And he goes out in the yard and he whistles. And so I started to do this. I get my little mealworm, right, from the refrigerator, little mealworm, and I walk across the yard. <laughs> and I put the little mealworm up in a little dish right beside the bluebird house. And I step back. Here she comes. Sometimes I don't even know where she is, but she hears me. Here she comes. Takes that mealworm, goes back up into the dogwood tree and waits for me to come again. Now I'm looking for her. She probably hears me somewhere. <laughs> I put another one in the dish and back up. Here she comes. I do that several times a day. But you ought to see the male. Now that there's four little eggs in this nest, he now is going to be a father. And he knows that. He has staked claim to this box. He will not permit anything to get close to it. I'm serious. I mean, bluebirds are only about as big as sparrows, right? So one day I'm looking, here comes this huge blue jay, different than bluebird, twice the size of a bluebird, this big old blue jay, and he's the one, when he usually comes, he's chasing everybody else away. Here comes this big old blue jay. It lands on the wash line beside the bluebird house. Here he comes. I don't know where he comes from. He started to attack this blue jay twice his size. It took some time, but that blue jay left. This morning, I'm looking out at the bluebird house. Here comes a squirrel. Running across the grass, starts up the pole. Here he comes. That squirrel knew better. 
You should have seen that squirrel scurry as that male bluebird just swarmed and swooped at him. I know that's a long story to say, say this. I really believe that bluebird would lay down his life for his family. I think he would fight to the death to save that female and those eggs in that nest. I know he would. He has attacked things much larger than him. What is biblical love? What is that? The Bible's definition here is that Jesus, he did what? He loved us and he laid himself down for us. That's God's love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love that is willing to go to the nth degree for the good of the one who is loved. Love is self-sacrificing. Let me read a definition. Love is self-sacrificing, and it shows itself by seeking the highest good of the one who is loved. When I read that article of Ruth Graham, didn't it remind you of the prodigal son? <laughs> where, the, where the prodigal son, you know, leaves dad's home and goes and squanders all of the money, ends up in the pig pen eating the things that pigs are eating, and then he comes home not knowing what God, dad is going to say, how he's going to react, and dad's waiting there at the end of the lane for him when he comes, and dad hugs and kisses him as Billy Graham did his daughter. But the Bible says love is something else. The Bible says love is a debt. Did you know that? Love is a debt that we owe to all mankind. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, If God, he so loved us, then we ought to love one another. Ought, that's, that's the idea of we owe it to others. We owe our love to others. Fathers, you owe your love to your children. You brought them into the world. I know there are some times you, 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 you say under your breath this, I brought you into the world and I can take you out. <laughs> but dads, you owe your children your love. You owe it to them. If God has so loved us and he is willing to lay down his life on our behalf, then dads, we have this great debt toward our children and our families. You know what happens, dads, when you begin to imitate God's love, when you begin to show that kind of love to your children, your children will start to show that love to others. You say, they look at you. They want to know what love is. They want to see how you love their mom and how you treat her and how you love them and how you treat them. They pick up on those things and they will end up loving others as you love them and as you love God. And so if we're going to imitate God, first of all, we must be his children. His dearly loved children. I trust that you have put your faith in Jesus. We must know him and we must know God's ways. We have to know who God is. Specifically, we need to know his love. 
Because that's the love that we must show to others and show to our family and our children. And so, Father, as we come before you this morning, we, we thank you. Lord, this is another special day in which uh, we do celebrate the dads among us. But, Father, we're thankful that you are our heavenly Father. That, Father, you have shown us a Father's love. I pray that, Father, we might imitate your love and show that love to others. Again, Father, for the time you've given us, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. How great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Page number 32. Let's close by singing uh, this song together. Let's stand together, please. Oh, Lord, my God, when I awesome wonder the all the world's thy hands made, I see the stars, the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed, then sings my soul. Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, my Savior God, <coughs> great thou art, how great thou art, when through the woods and far I wonder and hear the bird sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art, then sings my soul, Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And when I think that God is Son not sparing, That on the cross my burden gladly bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul. Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art.
Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, my heart. Then I shall bow humble adoration and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. My Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Father, we thank you for being a great God to us and a great Father. I pray again, Father, for each one that is here, each father, each dad, Lord, who has that great responsibility. I pray, Lord, that they might follow your ways that faith might walk close with you, and that, Father, they might be like you as they train, as they raise, as they discipline, as they love the children in their family. We thank you for this special day. Bless these homes, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.